and welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. And it is a very special privilege and pleasure to be in your ears for this episode as I bring you the full story behind the exciting news that broke during the week that one of Ireland's biggest and most exciting boxing stars, Wayne McCullough, has now teamed up to become coach of Kilderman Dennis Hogan as he looks to win that elusive world title. When we look over and think of the history of boxing, legendary trainers, names like Emmanuel Stewart, Customato, Eddie Futch, Lou Duva, and in more recent times, the likes of Enzo Calzaghe, Buddy McGirt, Freddie Roach, Adam Booth, and many more. All legendary trainers, iconic status, but more than that, they're honest, they're larger-than-life characters who care deeply for their fighters, who are more than just padmen or a coach for a couple of hours a day or for a couple of fights until they move on to the next contract. They were 24-7, lived, breathed and consumed not only boxing together, but they knew their fighter, their man inside out. In boxing today, we still get some of those stories. We've had Colwell Bellew, the Gail MacDonald, Warrington O'Hagan and Frampton McGuigan to name just a few. Adam Booth is a notable trainer who loves to build close personal relationships with his fighters and cares deeply for them. And likewise, in today's boxing, there is a tendency for young pros, prospects, to flock to these star-studded gyms and for one reason or another to be seen training with high-profile, glittering names in, in boxing. We all know who these trainers are. They've had various levels of success and invariably, they all have runs of form where they win a certain amount, lose a certain amount. Young prospects and pros like to be seen with the high-profile fighters, with the stars, with the celebrities, and with all the people that they see around those gyms. But is it always the best move for them? The truth is, trainers, no matter who they are, can only train so many fighters at one time. There's only so many hours in a day. So a young fighter... He might find himself well down the pecking order in one of these high-profile gyms as the trainer balances his time and his day amongst the other trainers in the gym. So from that point, that young pro or that young prospect and that up-and-coming's name might just find himself a little bit down the pecking order. He might be better served looking around the world. Maybe a little bit of time to look at the less obvious with a broader view and maybe put some more thought into the big picture and less emphasis on the obvious. This particular episode centres around the news that broke during the week, announcing that Wayne McCulloch and Dennis Hogan were to join forces, as Dennis makes that next push in his seek for the elusive world title. Since starting this little podcast adventure of mine, I've built many relationships and made many friendships. And both these two lads have been amongst the most constant since that start. I've held my breath over the last few days and weeks as this pairing fermented and grew and chatted and conversed and ironed out the wrinkles they needed to iron out. And for me to be part of this coming together of these two, it's, it's, it goes beyond special. It, becomes, uh, it, it has become something 
that warms my heart every time I see it, hear it, and uh, imagine what's coming down the line for them. Special is, is the best way to put it. With Wayne, it's been very, very clear to me throughout the hours of conversation and in the hundreds of messages that we've shared over that time that his burning ambition and only remaining dream in boxing is to train and or help Irish boxers. He was the last protege of the great Eddie Futch. Easily top three coaches of all time. Easily, easily. He's trained Joe Fraser, he's trained Larry Holmes, Trevor Burbick, Michael Spinks, Riddick Bowe, all in the heavyweight world champions. Montel Griffin, Mike Cat McCallum, Alexis Arguello and Marlon Starling. And from that littering list of Hall of Fame world champions, it was Wayne McCullough that Futch predicted would go on to train a future world champion. Here's Belfast and Ireland's Wayne McCullough to talk about the legacy of Eddie Futch and to talk about this latest announcement and what it means to him. Since 2006, I told you my first fighter was, was Alex Arthur in Scotland. And um, Alex gave me respect. He did give me respect for the... Then the guys after that, there was... Maybe one gave me good respect, Francisco Santana. But the rest of them don't want to. They don't want to. When I think they're good, they think, I don't need to be trained, you know what I mean? This, that, and the other. But um, Dennis is, is the opposite. Um, he sparred yesterday for the first time and since his last last year's fight. And he sent me the videos and... And he said the guy who work in the corner with him is his cup man, and, and you know he helps him there. But you're the boss and stuff like that. So I mean, we haven't even met each other face to face, but he's given me he's given me respect. I suppose I'm looking at the nuts and bolts of it, Wayne, and I'm looking back at both of you have come through. I suppose you spent your amateur career in the Irish system. It's it may albeit may have changed a little bit uh, or a lot, yeah. But the same principles would have been there. Dennis would have come through it a little bit later on than yourself a few years later, but the same nuts and bolts of it probably would have been there. When For Irish boxing fans that would be listening, tell us maybe what would be the main traits that would stand out from the amateur systems that would differ so much from the US or Mexican? What do you mean, like the, the way we fight, you mean? Yeah, or even the amateur style. Like, Well, I think, you know, coming from the, the Irish boxing um, amateurs, you know, it's like everybody thinks right away you have the European style, you know what I mean? Because they call it the whole the European style. Your stand up straight, chin up, hands down a little bit instead of instead of chin down, hands up. And uh, with me, I came over here and, and Eddie, I fought like a semi pro. I thought I was because I sparred with pros. So, but Eddie, Eddie worked on my defense, got my chin down, my hands up. Didn't change anything, you know. He didn't want to change anything. And with Dennis, Dennis has a few things to work on. But you know what? He can fight. He could have, he should have been a world champion like last year. But he, he can fight. There's a few things that watch as far, and I said to him, "Great." I, first thing I said was, "Great stuff." But they've had their first bar in like seven months, and he's doing like six or seven rounds. It just shows you what type of guy he is when he's high, living between fights. He's not getting out of shape. He, he he's fit still, and he's he's only starting off training for a fight, and he's already fit. So the first thing you got to do is, when you go into camp, is just work on work on things that you want to work on. I said before, but Eddie Fudge trained Riddick Bowe. Riddick Bowe was the type of guy, when you brought him to training camp, you had to bring him to training camp about a month before he started training camp because he was so big and fat. Yeah. He had to lose, he had to lose the weight before he started training camp. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, but he could, the guy could fight, but he could go to fight. And he's, he's been intent on that. Dennis has been in, in fairness. I chatted to him, I think, in February. And he had just had the meniscus, a little bit of correction done on the meniscus. It was yeah, a little yeah, bit of running repairs, but he had, he had five weeks of camp under his belt at that stage already. So he shares that um, obsession, for want of a better word, with, with keeping himself fit and right in between. Very much similar to yourself. Is that fair to say? 
I wish Chevy Potter would do that. You know, it's like people think, oh, I'm going to train for six, seven weeks, whatever, of training camp. And then after that, I'm not going to work out for like two months. Your body, your body softens up when you do that. You know, I never, I never did it. You know, I think the most I ever had of was about four weeks because I thought I, I, I was pissed off at boxing. <laughs> that was after my five alliance. I, I, I just didn't do anything for four weeks and I was itching to do stuff, but I'm like, I, I was so pissed off at boxing, the politics, and I walked away in 2005 for like four weeks. But that's about it. I had a reason to do it. I didn't have, you know, when guys have no reason to do it, they still do it. You know, as I said, you know, I, they did a story of me like the last week in the Irish, or Irish news. And I said, I fought. I took two days off after each fight. And um, the reason why I took two days off is because I couldn't move after a fight. You're so sore from head to toe. I said, other, other, I'm straight to the gym. So otherwise, I'd have been straight from the fight back into the gym to learn because I was learning my way up to the world championship. And I, I knew I didn't have to get time off. I just had to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. And as I say, I fought 11 fights in 11 months. And I could have fought about 15 because I got some injuries. And, but I kept myself in shape through the amateur program professional and um, I was one of the only real guys who did that. A couple of people did Paul Griffin stayed stay with me and um, but the rest of them didn't and Dennis is the type of guy I don't have to worry about his condition you know what? Because he takes it seriously he takes boxing seriously and he wants that belt around his waist that I'd say what he should have had already and and you know what? So not to, I don't have to worry about Dennis did you work out today? Because I don't have to ask that yeah. question. It's you know it's, I mean? a, it's it's the same as asking did you, did you breathe did you breathe in and exhale? Yes, it's, yes. it's it's part exactly. of his every day. And and when he safe to say knowing him the way I do when he does he doesn't feel comfortable or well in himself until he gets it under his belt and then he knows that's the most important yeah. part of his day done. So you said a few minutes ago there there's a lot of people right now if he was looking for a crutch or looking for a reason to be quote unquote pissed off at boxing they'd have it now and he'd have it after Mexico or he'd have it. But it's not the case. If anything, if anything, it's even it's fanned those flames even higher. At this stage, you, you're one of your famous sayings is it's about a little bit working a little bit smarter now, isn't it? Yes, you get smarter. You don't, you know, if somebody comes in and wants to change his style, it's wrong. You know what I mean? Because he's had success. They say he won the world championship. We all know that, but he didn't get his decision. But there's a few things you can tweak. I'm not gonna, you know, Alice. Thing I'm sitting here and I'm sitting in Las Vegas here, sitting drinking a cup of cup of coffee here and I'm thinking is this real because I've reached out to so many Irish fighters in the past and I say I've I've, tra- I've trained um, a few guys like for a couple of days and I had to leave would leave the country or something no, Jason Quigley I worked him a couple of days I was good friends with him I talked he sent me a message congratulations and he, he got homesick so he's Dennis is the first guy that's really actually going to come and train with me and I, like, I don't think it's real until they be in front of me you know what I mean <laughs> Because no, it's been a dream of mine since I since I you know came over here and I learned from Eddie Fudge. Because before I learned from Eddie, I just thought you know Nicholas Cruz was brilliant. I love Nicholas. Yeah. You know he's responsible for part of my, for my medal as well with my my coach Harry Robinson. But you know it's um Michael said too there. But uh, the funny thing is, I'm not, it's not the me it doesn't feel real until he's done in front of me, and I'm just it's an honor for me to do it because I just. I would love to train a bunch of Irish guys or whatever, but it never happened. And I'm turning 50 in July, so maybe it's a certain turnaround point. And you're a young 50. I, you're only 50. I know, but, I know, but I'll, 
the funny thing is, when, I, when I'm training, I only noticed this yesterday. I was training, and I train people in my garage on Zoom, my clients from LA, because they're they're keeping fit while they're. You now we do it to have the heavy bag and a bag at home, and I teach them and tell them to do things. And the camera was pointed towards it. I've got a like a banner up with the from the Hall of Fame, like last year from Vegas. Yeah. But but to the right of that. It was there was a picture on the wall. I didn't even notice this until yesterday, and you can just about barely see the picture. It's a picture that I have up of Eddie Fudge on the wall. It was weird. It was just weird that I could see that picture. It was just, but then I thought, he's, he's it's almost like he's looking over me. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it's got a it's a picture where he's he's just standing on a set of ring with his foot on the ring, and he's smiling. And I thought, and I've never noticed this. I'm doing the zoom. The last three months, and I never noticed this. Incredible. And all the, and I'm just thinking, you know, people. I believe people are looking down on you. But the people mightn't be aware, of it, and I've I've sat on this for the last few weeks because, like yourself, almost afraid of my life to believe it, to let myself think this is going to happen. Because we all know this game so well, you better than most. Things can change in a minute, let alone in a day. So when we're talking over the time of weeks, but the I the one thing that's that's burned brightly in you from the very first day I've spoken to you, all the way through, is that absolute desire and passion it's it at one point i think you went on very hard to say that it's the one thing left your dream left in boxing is to coach an irish fighter to coach an irish t- stable so yeah. my conversation then with dennis w- was from a different angle all about he had informed me about his changes and everything so he was looking and where he was looking now to me the suggestion straight away came for the pair of you guys but it was a reluctancy to interfere to the point where there's a fine line between respect and interfering well, I'll- the funny thing is, because a lot of people go to the the big name because of the the big name, but really, when a lot of people go to the big names, they they end up getting being disappointed because they realize they're just another number, and they they're not getting no attention because there's yeah. so many fighters there, and they end up with, they end up with some understudy who doesn't really know anything, and um the difference over here with Eddie Fudge was when I came to Eddie, Eddie had Fell and Kenny Kroom, and then he, he actually had Brady Roach back in the day. So we had people who who understood the business underneath them, and that's what you have to have in the future. Like if I if I became if I had a camp in the future of me and understudies, I would have to teach them in the way that the way that I want to teach with it, the way Eddie taught me, not the way they want to do it. I want to teach them the way Eddie did it to me, so we can pass on down generation generation yeah. to the fighters with that. But 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 say without without you throwing my name forward, I'll. I wouldn't be talking about this, so uh, you know I, I appreciate that so much. To me, it's a respect thing, and there's a lot of people get a lot of respect these days for things that they didn't do or things that other people may have done, and they shared a little bit. To me, it, it was obvious that you guys have a similar personality, that you've a similar drive. To be able to see it now come into fruition, I think it's it's the very it's the start of a very long and special special story. Yeah, I believe that. You know, that's like with me, as they, I worked hard as an amateur, worked hard as a pro. And I always thought, you know, people always say, you've got good talent. But I always thought, I don't think I had the talent that somebody else has, but I just, I, I told this about this before. So I worked harder. I just worked harder than everybody else, thinking I need to work harder to make up for the the, the, the talent I didn't have. I was, I just thought, maybe that was me being negative towards myself, but I always thought that way. And with Dennis, Dennis is the same way. He's He works hard no matter what um, in camp. Or not in camp between fights, and, and if you do that, there it just make a mix up. You think you haven't got the same talent, but you might you might have. If you work a little bit harder, then you're going to be better than that one with the talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that you're just going to drive harder and 
and drive toward your goal. And, and, and if you go for your goal, and say you just missed out on the goal, like by a fraction, like you get robbed. And at least you can always say, I don't make excuses about it. No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do this. I should do this. I should do that. You know, the worst case scenario, you get raw blind. And everybody knows you get raw blind and you, and you, and you've worked hard to do it. Then nobody can ever say, Oh, you should have. You should have did this and you should have did that. And you can't question yourself either. Because if you give 100% to something and something happens, we all know the bad politics of all sports can happen. And, and you and you may not get that belt. You know what I mean? There's, there's very few fighters get the, the big belt at the end. But you just got to work hard towards it. And, but if you work out a little bit harder. Someone said this to me earlier on about the, the last dance. Michael Jordan thing is when you look at, there's a lot of cliches in sport and a lot of euphemisms. And they'll say, sometimes they'll say hard work beats. Uh, talent, yeah. but they're, you're they're, right. Out, you're right, Al. Because the funny thing, I've only watched. I've only watched the first one, and I, I'm, I'm into it now. Totally yeah, it, it gripped me. It gripped but, me. I'm, I start watching it again last night. Would you believe? And it's yeah. What's well, I mean the first one? You know, you're just starting off, and then all of these guys on the team, they've all got more talent than him when he's in college and stuff. And he just when he when they were finished practice, what did he do? He went back and practiced more. Yeah. That I that's that no joking. I did that. So sometimes right after fight. I would go into my 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 garage or whatever here in Vegas after fights here and go out there and start working on things that I should have did in the fight. And I probably knocked the guy out in the fourth round, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. So I worked harder and I worked harder. And somebody did so many rounds, I went and did more rounds. We did that an extra mile than me. I did an extra mile. That's that was me. I drove that way, and, and I haven't got the status of, of Michael Jordan, but but you know what? He he put the fuel in me thinking. Wow, people do this. I didn't. Yeah. I never thought he was the type of guy who would do that. But he he had so much talent. But he knew you had to work harder to even get better, and he got better quickly. And then when you, you couple had, when you when you couple that talent together, then with that insatiable drive and that work rate and obsession of being proven, it yeah, all rises. I, I say, in the fr- in the first part of it, he get he get better quickly. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, he's getting way better than these guys, and that was just over the period of months that he got better and better. Uh, it just, it just goes to you that even with talent, if you work harder, you can get better. And if somebody like Michael Jordan does that, well, why not try it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like every other job, when we go to, in, whether it's in everyday life, whether it's in public life, or civilian life, no matter what it is, every the relationship between a boss and the, and his staff, and the, or the, a boss and employee, or a, a co co-workers, it's important. And sometimes we work with people we don't like. A lot, a lot of, lot of things, and also a lot of sports. Jobs, a lot of jobs today, just regular jobs. People, people do the job because they're making a living from. It. They don't do it because they love it. They just yeah. do it because the paycheck. And unfortunately, they, you know, they maybe can't get another job, so they have to do that. And they, you know, in sports, same way. A lot of people do sports, even in boxing. People do sports or boxing because they just think they can make a bit of money from it, and they want. They don't love it, but I don't. I don't get that. I don't. I don't. I can't get that in sport. Michael Jordan loved it. He, he loved basketball. I I love boxing. You know, I give a thing to it, and I will give a thing to it. But you have to love something. I mean, if you love something that much, you're going to protect it, protect anything people around you with it. You're going to try to make the best for your. As a trainer, I'm going to try to make it the best for my fighters. And I think that was part of the problem why Irish fighters never came to me. They thought right away, well, he Will McCulloch, he just goes forward. He just he just walks forward and you know throws punches, blah blah blah. And they thought I was going to train him like me. But you know what? If I looked at my amateur days, you know, I knew how to go backwards as well. Yeah. The box. 
you know, and with Eddie Fudge, when I was taught by Eddie, you know, I'm not going to, Eddie's first thing, well, you don't train everybody the way you fought. Maybe someday somebody will walk through the, the door and, and they might fight like you, so then it'll be, you can train them the way you did. But he said, everybody's different. And I said this before, Riddick Bowe, Mike McCallum, Montel Griffin and me were all in the same camp and we all fought differently. And then um, with, with Dennis, Dennis is aggressive. He's, he's elusive, you know, and he's, he's fit. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to beat. All them things together is a hard guy to beat. With a little bit of, um, better defense, like tidy it up a bit and sit down his punches more. The guys want to be unstoppable. He'll be able to knock people out and, and get hit as less. And he doesn't get hit that much anyway, but he'll get hit even less. He'll, he'll not get hit as much as he, as everybody thought he did. So I'll, I'll work on things like that. I'm not going to change anything at all. And tell me this, it's, I always, I marvel. I, I, I love hearing the stories, whether it's yourself talking about Eddie, because people that aren't familiar with Eddie Futch, please, because a, a lot of people, new listeners lately, I'm as go back and look at that man. Look at the people that he's trained. He's, he's up there as, if not the top trainer of all time, certainly one of the top five. Eddie, for me, is the number one guy. Worst people could say, nobody could say any worse than the top, top three, top five, yeah. the most. You could yeah. say thought about this a lot since uh, since getting to know yourself and I thought about it a lot in the last few days and I think if I'm being honest without blowing bubbles it's to me the way I set out when I wanted to be a podcast and wanted to start my journey was I want to make the best most reliable and well-known contacts I can make from day one if they can't be well-known I want to make them reliable so I want to know that they're not going to see me go in the wrong direction that they're going to set me the best way I can for, for, for and then I know wherever I go forward I'm going in the right way some people aren't like that. They'll set you the wrong way just to do that. But we all know that, that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. fact that I was able to connect with the likes of yourself, the fact that I was able to connect with John Breen, the fact that I was able to connect with D, people like that, I, I knew for a fact that I was going in the right direction. No matter where I went, that you guys weren't going to see me wrong. So to me, any young fighter going anywhere in the States, I can't help believing it's been a case of they just, they didn't take the time to look back a little bit. They're too busy looking forward. They, they don't know what's going on. They're all about what's going on around them at the moment. And they don't really pay any time or attention or respect to what went exactly. before. And that's what I think it is. I think it's a case of to see the big bright lights of, again, no disrespect to Wildcard or anybody else, but to see these gyms and to think, oh, I want to be there. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've had my first year. Um, I went to Wildcard, like the last couple of fights and stuff and this, that and other. And I always said to my wife, maybe, maybe the reason why people are not coming to me because Maybe because I worked them too hard, and I thought to myself, "How can you work somebody hard too hard? You can't really Especially work them too boxing. hard." Because no? in boxing, you can't. And that's just the way I I was driven by Eddie. Eddie Eddie worked me hard, and Eddie, Eddie had to pull the reins back on me because I did, you know, work a little bit harder. And Nicholas, even Nicholas Cruz, always said to me. Like the story was, I climbed out the window one night and tried to run down the street and he caught me on. I think we're going to see a, a very in- interesting mix between what Dennis has already and what, what um, because even with respect to Kev Byrne did a wonderful interview with you recently as well. It was brilliant, brilliant to listen to. And it's brilliant yeah. to listen to boxing people talk boxing to be able to recognize yes, yes, and, and honestly say, and you, you're the first man to say that if you got hit with half the shots that those lazy commentators over the years would say, yeah. you wouldn't be able to have these conversations now, let alone of coach fellas. No. You know, it, it's the, you know all them all them years of say three hundred and fifty three amateur improved fights, and all the numerous thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rounds sparring, and you're still talking to me. Come on, seriously. Going forward, Dana has just been absolutely 
yeah, just been unbelievable over the last few weeks. And do you th- see it as a chance to improve the way boxing has been? People had seen this box, and people just bought Byron Pride the other day, and he's putting like two or three shows on the week. And Vegas going to start putting two shows on the week. And I thought, that's funny. And I said to Dana, wonder where he got that from. We just did mm. a little smiley face. You know, because boxing needs to take a. I always say to people, you know, the UFC did things right. Boxing should take a leaf out of UFC's yeah. book and try to. Not try to copy it, but do similar things a lot. UFC started off back in the day when they was bought over in 2001. They were doing one fight card a month, pay-per-view, that was it. Now they're doing like 47 shows a year. Boxing, all these promoters, each promoter is not doing 47 shows each a year. The UFC is one promotion, and they're doing like 47 shows a year. So Bob Byram, Eddie Hearn could all do at least 40 shows each per year, but they're not doing that many. Yeah. So... But if they get together and put on these the fights that people want to see and communicate with each other instead of badmouthing each other, you know, boxing could could going forward it's going to be different. You know, going forward the first up until maybe the end of the year the fights are going to be behind closed doors. Easy. It's going to be no. Yeah. They, they they could bring it for smart because the UFC did that. There was no there was no fans. They only had the, the commission and the officials and stuff like that. But you could put in. Say in a, a 10,000 seat arena, you could put a thousand people in the arena, spread them all out, and have, them, have no contact with each other. They could do that. It's possible. Mm-hmm. And a thousand people in an arena is better than having having a thousand people in the arena and having nobody. And yeah. you can still get, you can split the fans of both main events or something, the fans down the middle, and give people almost like a like a like a lottery thing that you can get a ticket to go and 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 if 500 of those are are Irish when they'll make the noise of 10,000 so we'll be happy we'll be winning one way or the other 500 <laughs> when I was in Japan it was probably I think it was a half a dozen and I still heard them <laughs> <laughs> oh good no, well listen you're right Al I think going forward boxing boxing is, is going to be different just like you say the UFC going forward it's different for them but they're having successful shows. And you know what? The money, the money for the main event guys, you know, like Conor McGregor, you know, he gets a, he can get a gift fee of 20, 30 million just for the gate alone. That's gone. The gift fee's gone right now. I don't need the minute. So they're, the main event guys who are making $30 million are going to have to sit back and think, mm-hmm. I can't make 30 million. Maybe I can make 10 million. I think for the time being, we'll keep our Irish eyes firmly focused on, on the new story, that the welcome it's received amongst the Irish, the little clusters all around the world. Yeah. It's, it, you two lads are giving, them, giving the Irish boxing fans well, around the world something to believe in. But all, all thanks to you, Sinead. And um, Dennis Hogan, I just want to say to everybody out there, from, to, to who Dennis Hogan, I really appreciate and give me the opportunity to be with him. And um, I, know I, can, I know I can make him a better fighter. And... Uh, I just, I just, I'm honored that he took a chance on me. I say, if I've trained probably a dozen fights over the last decade or more, but just to have that Irish guy, just, yeah. just sort of, I just feel for me. I just, I just, I just love that feeling. And so say all of us, because there's very few other than yourself would be said willing to say it is a chance. I think what we all see now is is uh, two fellas with an insatiable interest and an insatiable appetite for boxing. One with the knowledge of working under one of the greatest, if not the greatest, trainer of all time, who will be without a shadow of a doubt in the corner somewhere with the towel over his shoulder, watching, smiling and nodding <laughs> with the arms folded. And yep, what what right. a what a story that will be when it comes to its fruition. Would you like to reduce your monthly bills? Whether it's utility bills such as electricity, gas, TV and broadband, 
or mobile phone, mortgage and various life, home or pet insurance. I choose want to find the best deal for the Irish consumer and make sure you get the best deal every time. Click the link in today's show notes. As I've said, sign up on the podcast. And I choose will do the rest. Conversation. In the time I've known Wayne, the one thing that has shone bright consistently is that his will, his want and his desire to work with and train Irish fighters to help them in their move across the water in cases where the case may be or to impart some of the knowledge and the know-how that the legendary Eddie Futch taught him. So when, in one of my many Sunday conversations with Dennis Hogan, came around to him and his training and his search for a new coach, it very quickly clicked in my head. Whilst Dennis mentioned two or three huge names in boxing circles and the potential future coaches for himself, a light bulb went off as that conversation progressed. As Dennis asked my thoughts, I suggested Wayne and went from there. Here's Dennis to talk about what led to him to thinking about changing his coach and subsequently now working with his new head coach, Wayne McCullough. The, the concept of change itself, Dennis, and moving from, from Stratton with um, Glenn and the team there and to focus on Dennis Hurricane Hogan, was that a big decision? Did it come long, soon after the last fight or was it something that, that you just felt haven't put some thought into it that you needed to do? Well, look, I mean, after the last one, um, yeah, obviously I, I felt like, okay, there was a couple of little things we could do. One of the major factors, all aside, you know, just just put Charlo being what he is and who he is aside for a minute. Um, with, with the camp and the training that was going on, all of a sudden I, I had to go over for the press conference, which was supposed to be nine weeks out. It ended up being seven weeks out, so I had to fly over and fly back. 30 hours over, 30 hours back. Getting back from that, the training was still going, and then that's when the injury started to happen. And, and it started to, you know, my legs started to lock pretty bad. I had a lower back spasm, and then other things started to creep in, which was fatigue. And uh, the crazy thing about it all was I seen it all before um, with going over to the Germany fight and being over there ready to go, and then flying, and then it got postponed, you know, just a little over a week out. And then I flew back again, and I kept training. I was helping Jeff with his fight against the, the French European champion and it wasn't long before then that, that same feeling kicked in as it did before where injury and 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 uh, fatigue started to kick in. So anyway um, but again um, I, I kept training and I kept going for it and by the time we got back to Miami at my first bar I actually had a panic attack and so I think if for anyone that's listening that doesn't really understand um, what that actually means uh, just look at Anthony Joshua when he fought, when he lost his world championships uh, to Ruiz. Uh, apparently, he was having panic attacks before then. That's a sign that you're got into stress hormone. You're overdone. You're overcooked. You're fatigued, and uh, your body doesn't want to know anything about it. It's producing cortisol, which starts to store fat, starts to stop energy production, and I hadn't gone into that. So again, as I said, leave that aside from Charlo being what he is. And um, that's just not way, what way you want to go in to your world title fights. Now, again, uh, Charlo, a uh, phenomenal um, uh, athlete and boxer and everything else, but I truly feel like I didn't, um, I didn't walk into the ring as good as I could. And, uh, and I think that his first knockdown was pretty good, I must, I must admit. He set it up pretty right. But that last knockdown, I, I should never have been standing in that spot. If you look back to the Munguia fight, where I was 100%, um, you know, uh, I would not have been standing in that spot. The reason I'm telling you all this is because it's important to be at the at your very, very best when you're going into these World Championship fights. And uh, there was sort of a feeling that, you know, is this going to, all that flying and everything else, 
that's all taken a toll because my two worst performances were it was the Germany fight and then and then the Charlo fight and it was the exact same thing happened over again over and back and over again yeah. three trips around the world and um, and then trying to train and then I got over fatigued you know even even before Christmas and all I just went you know what we can do it we just we'll just make sure that we don't go over again for these press conferences get that put into the contracts and stuff so that was how I was looking at it but then after I kept training and everything but my body was still in a bad way and my legs were still very tight and uh, I tore a meniscus in my knee from the tightness and uh, I went off and I had knee surgery and uh, I was out for a few weeks and um, I really had time to think and I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, I have never had to have any kind of surgery yeah. apart from, uh, apart from a, a neck injury, which happened um, specifically in the ring and that. But uh, apart from that, there's no joints, no nothing. I've ever had to have surgery and I'm just thinking all of this and it, it was the same reason I feel as what happened before with the Germany fight with all the flying and all the training to make up for the missed time and all that kind of stuff and I just went you know what maybe it is the time I'll be honest it's heartbreaking knowing that I'll have to leave you know my girls and, and head over there for it but if I look at some of the best that have done it you know I look at Tyson Fury before his with Wilder you know I look at even TJ Donnelly before his world championship fight you know I've left Berlin before going to Miami and all that but I've never had to leave my kids for a long time and so I think it's time and I just said you know what I'm prepared to make that sacrifice for me and my career for their futures and now it's time to go so it it did not 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 till after my knee went and I got surgery on my knee in February we'll just change a few things and that's when I made that decision to do it. Amazing. Anyone listening will be able to take so much from that. And I know myself thinking, I mean, you're always you're always brutally honest. You're always more than graceful. But you're always conscious as well of not to, um, it's not a case of, of blaming anybody else or pointing. It was a case of, from what we know of Dennis Hogan and what we love about Dennis Hogan is you look in the mirror and you look deep in that mirror first and foremost and all the time. And then and then you start to take it apart. And and I think, as you said to me back when we chatted the last time, if I'm right, I think just maybe the beginning of March, it really had only started to resonate with you, Jen. You had started to, when you had the surgery, you were starting to think about it. You were starting to mourn the loss, if you like. And that's then when you get to take it and you look at it and you think about it and, and you take piece by piece. And the fact that you were still able to, people will remember the, the impact of that, such a panic attacks and such a had on Joshua, going to the ring, people will remember how that impacted him, his performance and everything else, and to be able to pull yourself together and get yourself back and put your body through the meat grinder again was just, listen, it's, it, it adds another layer to this already fascinating story. And uh, the fact that you didn't do it under a cloud or didn't do it by, we've seen some high-profile excuses over the last few weeks and months, some, each one gets more pathetic by the day. It's just, as I said, it's it's a massive credit to you, to, to how you do your stuff, to how you carry yourself and I've sat here with my mouth open for the last five minutes listening. I didn't even know half of that stuff. But knowing you, as I've been lucky enough to get to know you, you've done a lot of inner searching. You've done a lot of thinking in true Dennis Hogan style. You've you've spent time working on you. You've got more to consider now with your, your two beautiful girls, with Bredeen, and you bet you never thought you'd have another world, another life outside of boxing. But now that's starting to form, and that's yeah. your future. Key now for this next drive is this circle, this inner circle, and this last push towards the Holy Grail. And you've done some phenomenal work on that big part of it of course is why we're talking today is your new coach talk to me about that yeah look um i, I like again it was um we, we were having a chat before that i had a, a few big names over in the states that i was looking at and um i had chat chatted to one 
very, very big name um, in terms of profile and being one of the best pound-for-pound fighters there ever was. And uh, they told me to come on out and all that. And I was feeling out a couple of things and there was uh, one or two others that I was looking at that I wanted to have a chat with. But, you know, I remember because I was talking to you and I was I do a, a bit of a walk when I know I'm going to be chatting for a bit on the phone and I burn a few extra calories. And, and, and it came up and you mentioned Wayne and that you had been talking to him. And, you know, that sparked something in my brain instantly because for a long time, um, I've always... I've always known Wayne was down around uh, Las Vegas, uh, um, Los Angeles. Mark, I remember thinking about him back in uh, 2016 when I was down in Miami, thinking, you know, uh, when I was down there, as I was saying before, with, with all the Cubans and all that, you know, great training and a great experience and all of that. And um, there's a lot of Spanish being spoken and that. And I remember thinking Wayne and that, and I was just thinking, you know, oh, I wonder what that would be like down there. Um, you know what I mean? With just that bit of an Irish connection. With, with a guy as accomplished as him as well. And I just thought about, oh, I wonder who else, you know, has gone down there, has been training, and I wonder who I know has been training. It's funny because since then, um, uh, Santana, uh, I think they call him Chia, his message when I, when, I, when I announced it on my Instagram, his message, I did training camp with him for Daniel Gale versus Carlo, and um, he said, he said, oh, give Wayne a big hug. And a couple of people like Oshin Fagan have uh, messaged, say, give him and the family a hug. And everyone's just been, anybody that mentions Wayne that knows him is, is very, very, um, sort of like give him a hug. And they're, they're being yeah. very, very nice towards him as well. So I must say I've noticed that as well. But um, just looking at that, and it, it did spark something in my brain. I thought, Do you know what, mate, you could be onto something. And I said, uh, as you'll remember, I, I said, well, let's um, let's have a look at that. Uh, you, you went off and uh, you had a chat with him to see if, if he was in any way um, open to the idea. And I think uh, I think the rest is history. Uh, you know, after that, it was um, you came back and he said he would be. And I think I got on, I think I, we hooked up a, a call very soon. And um, to be honest with you, um, you know, when I'm making a decision, uh, I don't try to think about it too much. I, obviously, I put a bit of logic into it. But I like to see how I feel about something. And when, when, I, when I thought about the other coaches that I'd been thinking about, you know, there was sort of a bit of a heavy feeling about it. And um, when I heard Wayne, instantly it sort of inspired me a bit and something went off. And the more and more, uh, after talking to Wayne and looking at that and everything else, I feel really light about it. And, and that's how I sort of judge things. I think that's my intuition. If I feel good about something, I feel nice and light and feel, you know, like I want to push towards it. If I If I... If, I, if I'm sort of wondering is there inside factors, is there something else I sort of feel heavy on it? And the more and more this has progressed and now become a reality, the lighter, more energetic and inspired I feel about the whole thing. So um, I really, I really appreciate that you will be forever part of this story. I truly believe um, and I know I've always believed that I'd be world champion. And now I, I, I truly believe that Wayne is the going to be the, the cherry on top now to, to, to this cake yeah. for me it was it, it was during the conversation I can remember it so clearly and, and I suppose now it's safe to say it and I can breathe out now and I've been sitting on something for the last month almost, <laughs> yeah. almost afraid to talk about boxing and, and even the, a couple of friends have said you haven't had Wayne on in a while and I'm like oh yeah I, yeah yeah Jesus the weather's great lately <laughs> isn't it <laughs> it's just uh, always because listen Dennis as I said to Wayne last night I said I'm I'm, I'm conscious so much now of things change in boxing by the hour let alone by the day so when you're chatting about stuff and it's it's there's so much i knew i knew you guys your personalities would click straight away but when it come down to the finer side of things and the, the nuts and bolts of it it's it's more important 
as I said to you at the time, for me just to back out, leave you lads at it. And that's what happened. And it was exciting. So many times I had a message typed. I was like, I'll ask one or the other how it's going. I said, no, let's just wait and see now how this plays out. And then to hear that it had finally clicked and it was done. <laughs> it was, I, I can't tell you how exciting it is for me as as someone so early on my little journey. But as, But now it's down to the serious side of it. And what you're saying there is 100% right. It's the respect that that man earned almost 20 years ago. He tells me he's 50 this this year. Jesus, if I look like that when I'm 50, <laughs> I'll be happy. That's fair, I'll give him that. Uh, well, I'd, I have a feeling he's going to be doing a lot of the training and a lot of the runs, which I'd say. He's going to live it as much as you're going to live it. And that's that's what's going to make it even more special, a story. It's yeah. um, it, it's a chapter in a book. It's 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 almost movie-like, but... To use a boxing term, how is it? How are you going to close the distance? For you're in Australia, he's in LA, stroke Vegas. What, have, has that plan been nailed down just as yet? Mate, listen. When when I spoke to him on the phone, I, I pretty much um, had it nailed nailed down and uh, myself in terms of what I wanted it to be. And then I said I chat to Wayne. So and I, and I feel like it's it's a, it's just perfect because I have my strength coach here. Mucky's been with me for three years. This man's knowledge of the body is phenomenal. So he was a he was a top NRL player, played for uh, uh, two of the top clubs, uh, Cowboys and uh, Parramatta Eels. So played even even played for Australia at the younger age and everything else. So um, he knows the body inside out. I've heard a physio saying that she learned more from him than she did in college. So he he first and foremost looks at my body, sees, make sure we're injury preventing. And then we start to get stronger off that, and then we start to bring everything else in. So he may, and and on top of that, like you know, he's like a brother to me now as well. So, um, he is uh, working with me still. We're getting stronger here, and he's done great things with me. Now, what's going to happen is when I go to leave here, um, and this will be the same with, with the rest of the people who I'll speak on in a second. But uh, um, if I I'll go over, and you know, if they can't make it for the whole lot. Uh, we will work on video and stuff. Now, I also have my pads man still in Zach. You know, he does pads here with me uh, a couple of days a week. And um, we're still working on all the things we want to work on and keeping me right and everything else. And then there's uh, Stephen Edwards, my cuts man. Now, I've asked Steve. Steve um, has done my corner uh, quite a lot up in, up in Stretton where um, I said at the start when I came to Stretton, I said, you know, Jeff and Glenn, whenever I'm sparring with Jeff, um, I would never want to interfere with that relationship. That was that was years in the making before I showed up in Stretton. So uh, Steve then would stand in and he would do my corner. And I worked out very fast that he was very, very good with me. He, he, he understood a lot about me and he would get me, if there was something off, he'd pick it up instantly and make me do it right. So and just, just just a small little thing. Here you go, Dennis, you know, get your footwork moving, a little bit more variety, whatever it may take. And uh, we've worked really well together. So Steve is now... Um, He's now uh, overlooking my work here. Um, he's overlooking everything. So we've already recorded some stuff and sent it over to Wayne. So then him and Wayne will be in contact for when I'm here. You know, Wayne can put some ideas through what we need to get me to before I show over there before the first fight. Now, when I get over, Steve would then turn into an assistant coach and um, Wayne would work out the game plan. We would we will all work it and I will do what, what, what Wayne is looking for me to do and implement and tweak and everything else. And throughout that process, Steve will then see what's needed for me for after the fight and I come home back to Australia, we can then be look, looking to work and tweak those little things. And my whole team is the same except my head coach is Wayne. So um, I'm feeling really good about that. You know, contacts already been made on those. I've already sent footage across and then um, 
Mate, it's very exciting for me, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm excited with it all. No, it's, it's a great team. It's a fantastic part of the journey to be heading into Dennis. And it has, now it has any little wrinkle or little little wrinkle, shall we say, or any little concern by the time you get on that plane and by the time you have the camp at that stage, they're gone. So now you've got clear open road in front of you to drive into, as you do. And there's no one better to drive into open space than Dennis Hogan when he's on when he's in full full kilter. The reaction from the Irish public and the Irish boxing fan, fans has just been mind-blowing. It's been, it's to be honest with you, if I'm going to be put the man card on the table for a while, it's hard not to get a little bit emotional, a little bit of a, a, a wry smile to think that, listen, this is a special story. There's so much, I mean, Wayne captured the hearts and the minds of the Irish boxing public so many years ago with his performance. First, first of all, I suppose, if we're being honest, when he lost to the Cuban, Casamayor, in the manner that he did, and the way that he attacked it in the second, in that last round of the fight, and then in every fight that he took after that, whether it was Prince Nazim and driving from Derry, driving from Belfast to Dublin to call him out, Manny won't forget, but to look at his fight with Zaragoza, his fight, you already have that um, terrier-like, nothing's going to stop me approach. So now, as I said to yeah. Wayne last night when I chatted to him, it's not about, it's not, I don't even know is it physically possible for Dennis Hogan to work harder. Now it's a case of working a little bit smarter. Is that fair to say? One hundred percent, mate. That is the that is the goal. I've looked at. Um, I've already spoke to Wayne about what sort of what sort of um, volume he'd be sort of looking to do, and that excites me to no end. You know what I mean? My body is now already. I feel like there's a little bit of tension. We 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 train really hard, and you know, and there's been a lot of benefit to that. And um, but just looking at what way he plans on doing it, and knowing I don't have to do big fights after that, and I'll already be there. That just excites me to no end. I know, I know that what, what people are going to see next is going to be something that they've never expected. Even when Charlo did get me, I got back up no problem. I know that my chin is solid, and at 154, it's ridiculous. My legs are good. One of the things that excites me also. Now I don't really know that much about Futch. Um, that would have been Wayne McCullough's coach. I'm sure you were going to hit on it soon, but uh, he was meant to have been uh, unbelievable. I know Wayne spoke so highly of him, and uh, and and apparently, you know, uh, um. You know, he, he learned a lot from that. So there's going to be little things that he can see in what I do already. Like, I truly feel like I have the ingredients already to to be world champion. I feel like, you know, I've already sort of, you know, without sounding sour or bitter, I feel like I've already got in and won a world title fight. You know, I just didn't get the straps. So I feel like that's all that there. But now, as a, with, with that extra knowledge and somebody that's, you know, been in there at that level, um, just being able to guide me and tweak with the knowledge that he has, you know how you know how could how could in my mind how could that not just be exactly what's needed now to go forward and not just be world champion but to take all the belts. That's was always my goal to grab all the belts in the super welterweight. But go back to Ireland, defend it in the tree arena if that's what it's called. It used to be the point depot. I'm not quite sure, but um, hit a few of those goals and uh, man, I'm feeling good about it. So. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right, and 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 it was a big, big part of every time I chat with Wayne is Eddie Futch. He's he's the top. I mean, I chatted to him last. It came up last night, and 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 we had a we had a, a moment at the end just chatting about it, and he realised that and throughout all these conversations he's had with me and he's had with you, he's he goes to the same place at the house to have the phone call, and in the part of the house that he realised there's a little picture of Eddie sitting in the corner of the room, and he didn't realise he he has him all over the house, but. He didn't quite realise that he was where he was and he, he can't help but get the feeling now that, like you're saying, that there was just a little bit of something extra going on in the background. So, But when we talk in boxing terms, we talk Eddie Futch, Hall of Fame. Um, he's trained Joe Fraser, he's trained Riddick Bowe, he's trained Cran Norton, he's trained Wayne, he's trained 
just Montel Griffin, phenomenal fighters, frightening list of fighters, and didn't try to change any of them, didn't try to do anything that they couldn't already do. He maybe worked a little bit on the the, the cross guard, he worked a little bit on the defensive side of it, but then maximising everything that each of his fighters had. And you you will have a direct line of descendancy, I suppose, of, of the knowledge that that man passed. And he made a prediction of his own um, that Wayne would be his only world champion to coach a future world champion. So, so that's an inspiration to me because... So I don't know if you know, but do, do you remember the last time you told me that? You told me that that was wrote in a letter. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. That was that was the last little thing for me. I tried to weigh him once. Uh, I'd gotten on well. I was feeling light about it, which was good. And all these sort of things. And did you know that that was the last little piece of the puzzle for me? Because as you know, I write my goals down. I know how important wow. it is to have, to have your goals wrote on paper. And when you said that that was written on paper, that he would train a world champion by that man who's, who's a legend, uh, a Hall of Famer coach, that for me just went boom. That was it. I just knew at that moment, this is meant to be. So you don't even know that on the phone call, but that's, no. that's how my brain... <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, to realise that a man like Wayne McCullough, and this is not to overstate anything, his achievements in the ring and out of the ring, to turmoil that he grew up in in Belfast to represent Ireland and everything else. Again it brings it all back into one lovely big puzzle and piece for him to still have that dream and for Eddie to see something in him and enough in him when he was training to be able to predict that someday he will be a trainer and now for that realisation to come true. I suppose we have to get the feedback on the ground and we have to get back to the, the nuts and bolts of it, which is um, the getting back on the road for Dennis Hogan. You, you're coming off the back of that Charlo fight. You've got, a, you've got a deal in your pocket now from PBC. When does that begin and, and, and what can we hope to see? So I had a three-fight deal. And that three-fight deal fell into a two-fight deal because the three-fight deal I was given, uh, the fighter pulled out and then I was offered um, I was offered a two-fight deal uh, for the World Championship and then and then another fight after, whether that be a world title defence or else a comeback fight. So I've, I've really only got uh, one fight left on that, on that contract. Um, so basically what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm looking to do is... We're just looking to see if if um, if that fight, um, you know, and we've already spoke money and everything else, but we're looking to see if if uh, if this new relationship would garnish a bit more of a comeback fight rather than something that was bigger and bolder, which is what I was promised, uh, a, a one big one win away from a world championship fight again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, so so we're just going to look at that, and I'm just trying to work that out that. If there's something that we need to come back and just get a fight in uh, real quickly on something a bit smaller and then see how we work and then we'll know, as you say, the words you use, the nuts and bolts of it for the next one, um, that may be what it is. But if not, at least that other, that other contract is there to utilise and win that and we're back on for the World Championship again, as promised. So well, we just wa- need to look at that and see what works out best. Coverage of boxing over the last few weeks and the next few months and, and who knows how far ahead it's going to take a different change. It's going to take a different look. It's going to shift route what Eddie Hearn is trying to do in the UK with putting in uh, closed arenas and stuff like that. Could be the way to go. and Well, it is the way to go and it could open up a whole lot of different new options. They're, they're uncertain times for everybody, but what's creating some certainty is uh, the positive and the goodwill and, and, and the love that's surrounding this whole move and, and the change. One little thing, if I'm going to preempt it and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to 
get there before the naysayers is that some will say, and, and not that we worry too much about what some might say, it's something I like to sing in the shower rather than worry about, but some will say, <laughs> oh, experience-wise, and they'll say, oh, Wayne hasn't trained, he's he's trained under, and, and Dennis hasn't trained with Wayne, and they're going into a big scenario. I'm going to preempt that a little bit by saying, and, and I'll bring you in on it then, but I'm going to preempt it a little bit by saying that you've trained with Glenn, you've trained with people in the past who, who didn't have those big breaks until it came to, say, Manny Pacquiao against Jeff, or they'll say, um, the same with the likes of Ty- Tyson Fury. Ben Davison didn't have any big fights until he fin- stepped in with uh, Deontay Wilder. I think as a fighter, when you've been around as long as you have, as long as Tyson has, as long as people like that, you know what you're seeing, you know what you're hearing more so. Is that fair to say? Yeah, look, uh, look, I, I truly believe you, you take a bit from everybody and you learn a bit from everybody. Um, when I Look, when I went to Glenn, right, um, you know, Jeff hadn't beat Manny Pacquiao yet. I went to Glenn. I spoke to him in December. Jeff didn't fight Manny till, till July, yeah. right? So when I went to Glenn, he didn't have um, anything more than what I already was. And that was, uh, I was a world title challenger. He didn't even have a world title challenger yet. And then within a few months, uh, my my good mate, Big Joe Goodall, went off and won a, a bronze medal at the world championships. So, um so you know what I mean? Uh, sorry, silver, yeah. That didn't bother me then either, and it was a good relationship, and now we're moving on. But I, I will say something. When I was in the ring there, you know, if you, when you're looking at the speed of, of a Charlo, um, the speed and the power and all that can come, um, I, sort of, I sort of want, in my mind, and this is no disrespect to anybody, but in my mind, I sort of wanted to be able to work. Uh, I sort of just thought, you know, I'd, I'd look for somebody... That's that's doing the coaching to be able to know what that speed is like. I sort of wanted that sort of a conversation to come up, and lo and behold, then obviously Wayne comes up, and you know the speed of the bantamweights and everything else, and you know I, I really look forward to mulling over techniques and stuff like that for those extra fast types of fighters. Like I've got my own patterns and all that. I get a fast fire, you know, and, and I know that time and beat speed and and all of that, and my patterns are good. But I really I really think that Wayne has been there in terms of that and everything else. So I, I can take all of the stuff that I've learned and the fighter that I am right now and we just get those extra little 1% as well from Wayne and I know that that's going to make all the difference. So um, I'm not forgetting anything that I've already learned along the way. You know, e- you know, even at the very start, my first coach, um, you know, there, there, there's still little things there that, that I remember and I've taken everything up to this point to become who I am. I tr- and again, to, but to go with that letter, that that Wayne will um, uh, train a world champion, and he definitely will, and that world champion will be me. So, well, what better way to wrap it up, Dennis? And I think one of the one of the first things, and he said one of the most important things that Eddie did with him when he moved across the water as a, as an, an Irish teenager with a hope with hopes and dreams in his pocket. But one of the biggest things he did was spend hours and hours mulling over, and you've just said it there, was watching tape and footage of old fighters. And I understand that Wayne has a, a dusty old collection of. Um, of some of his sparring videos, would you believe, with the likes of Kevin Kelly? Imagine, imagine, can you just imagine what those spars were like? So <laughs> nobody's seen them. YouTube hasn't even got them. So you've got some many, many hours of hard work, happiness. It's just, it's a special story. It's a, it's very special for me to be able to, to be able to chat to you about it, but to be involved in it and to be down the line somewhere, to be able to tell that story, it just becomes even more special. And, and for me, in the bottom of my heart, I wish you and yours and all the whole team and everything, I cannot wait to see this come to and again I appreciate everything I appreciate all your time and, and the chats that uh, but the chats too but then also what led to 
with to that connection and um, as you said I, you'll be a very special part of all of this we'll get the bells met so there you have it that's how one of Ireland's greatest and best loved boxing legends teamed up with one of Ireland's best brightest and biggest hopes to become our next world champion for me it was a case of having the confidence to make the suggestion but knowing that the confidence was based on a safe knowledge and that it wasn't just small talk. From there, you've just heard how it all went. Wherever this story goes, however it plays out, remains to be seen. For me to be a part of it and to be there as the story unfolds, along with the guys and the team at DDP Promotions with Desi, Mucky, Zach and all the key members of Team Hogan under the watchful eye of the Pocket Rocket and of course the spiritual eye of icon Eddie Futch it promises to be very very special thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed it from me and them until then stay safe stay sane stay well <laughs>